0: Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, I love that last bit of our worship time together. Isn't it amazing when you stay close to Jesus how uh, the, the, the verse there or the lyric there says that the things of this earth grow strangely dim. Isn't it strange when you start hanging with Jesus, all of a sudden these other things just don't matter as much, do they? And I I thought that was uh, fitting for this morning as we continue to stay in our series, Staying Close. Um, Like I always do, I welcome you this morning. I thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Um, Yeah, we have a few people uh, on camping trips and vacations, but that's great. We're here, aren't we? And uh, we're here to abide with him today. Um, last week, as this series was telling us, uh, a result of abiding or hanging out with Jesus or being close to him or continuing in him um, produces fruit. And it was really good to share with you last week about that fruit. And, but we also learned that as branches being in the vine, we can either be bearing fruit Or we can, are bearing branches, or we can be burning branches. I don't know about you, but I want to be a bearing branch. Uh, And then actually that that fruit is actually not even for us, is it? That fruit is for others, and as we bear fruit, others get it, but it's also for God's glory. So we're going to continue to stay in our series, Staying Close, for a couple more weeks yet. But let's pick up in John 15 again. Uh, we're kind of eking through John 15 a little bit. But let's uh, continue in verse 7 if we would. It says, if you, and this, this is Jesus speaking by the way, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Questions for you. Do you ever ask God for anything? Yeah, I hope you do. Um, Do you always get what you want? (laughs) No. It's interesting, isn't it? Do you think he hears all of our prayers, or do you think he just kind of picks through them and hears some of them? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Do you ever wonder why we pray at all? You know, I think about this. God's all knowing, all powerful, almighty, right? He knows everything. He's been here. He's not, he's the all-existent one. He's always been here. He knows what's going he knows our future, he knows our past, he knows in the middle. So why do we even pray? We're going to talk about some of that this morning. But before we go any further, let's pray. (laughs) Lord, you're so good to us. Thank you. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for grace. Thank you for your word. Lord, we'd be so lost um, without it. Thank you for your spirit who speaks to us, who teaches us, who guides us, directs us. Lord, help us today understand what you're trying to say. And most important, Lord, may we hear you speak. May it not be my words. I always pray this, Lord, you know, that it be your words that people really hear what you have to say today. And um, just, uh, we need your guidance, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if we abide, notice Jesus' conditional statements. We've been talking about conditional statements. If you see the word, if, when you're working through your Bible, that means something has to happen. There's a condition that has to be met. Well, he says, if you abide in me and my words in you, then, this is pretty exciting, then you will ask what you desire. And it shall be done for you. So there's our answer to why we pray. To get what we desire. If you just read it in that context, it it sounds all too easy, doesn't it? But remember the abiding aspect of what we're talking about here in these these last few weeks and the weeks to come that there needs to be an abiding aspect of what we do. And I think you and I know from the last few weeks that when we abide, we know that that means that we're to be connected to Jesus, that we're to continue in Jesus or be around Jesus all the time. Um, It is in the Bible, it is in the Bible, we just read it, that um, when you ask what you desire, it shall be done for you. But how many of you have asked according to your desires and never received them? It's true, right? I know I've done it, so I'm just going to run on a limb and say that you guys have done this as well. There could be a few reasons for this, but let's kind of look at in the context of our uh, verses today. Let's see what Jesus really means by that. So he starts out by saying if, that means Uh, If, that means getting our desires is based on a condition. So what's the condition? The condition is if you abide in me and my words abide in you. So that's actually a two-part condition, right? Most of us know uh, if you've been around us here for the last few weeks uh, that we know abiding in Jesus means to continually be around him, That not just for little spurts of time, but, you know, always be in his word, always be praying, always be fellowshipping with others, always being in him. But as branches, um, we are to stay or remain on the vine, but what does it mean that his words abide in us? That's a little different thing, isn't it? Uh, that means his words are to remain in us, to stay attached to us. It's really the same thing, but kind of in reverse. Um, so, what does this really mean? Uh, does he mean as long as I, my Bible is in my house, his remain, his word remains with me? Is that what he's meaning? Does it mean as long as I have my Bible in the back seat of my car? Wherever I drive, my word, his word is remaining with me. Probably not, huh? How about the little pocket Bibles? Uh, we were at an event yesterday, and it was really good to see uh, a church passing out the little New Testaments and pocket Bibles. How about if I keep one of those with me all the time? Is that what he's talking about? Just that his word remains, it's on my person, it's in my house? Probably not, but maybe. Um, Have you ever heard the expression, in one ear and out the other? I think uh, parents have really patented this one. I think they really have coined this expression. If you've ever raised your children, you've probably said this one many, many times. Uh, His word abiding in us, however, is much more than just reading our Bible, actually. I know that I'm I'm always asking you and challenging you to make sure that we are reading, that we have a Bible, that we uh, have one with us, especially when we're here together. Uh, But it means more than that. It means that we memorize it. It means that we think about it, we ponder it, we meditate on it, and we contemplate on it. It's more than just having our cup of coffee and having our Bible in front of us and just reading it to get it done it's more than that we're we're to think about what Jesus is saying we're to think about what God is trying to speak to us about that's what it means for his word to abide in us not just in one ear and out the other Um, I really love Psalm 119 if you've ever uh, read through this psalm it's the largest psalm we have and If you're ever having a hard time finding it, just take your Bible and split the pages right exactly in the middle and open it up and you'll find 119. It's right in the middle of our Bible. Um, But it says this. Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart, They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes, oh, Do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your Statutes. We can see here by uh, the psalmist's intent was to really just a cry out to the Lord and the importance of the scriptures, but the importance of the scripture not just to read it, but to actually let it sink in. Um, you notice that four times um, in just these 12 verses that uh, the word heart is used. You know, the heart, our inner person. Who we are. Remember, our heart is what uh, really feeds who we are. And so he's saying here is that the word of God should come into our hearts and make a difference. Um, Actually, when you read the whole entire psalm, 16 times he uses the word heart or whole heart when he uh, recorded this psalm. The reason is we are to abide in him, and his words are to abide in us. And that's what it means. The word of God is to make this epic journey from our head, you know, just reading it, and make that transfer down into our heart. We're not just to read it. The words are, to, the word of God is meant to go something beyond just something we know. But it's actually meant to be something we do There's a big difference. We can know the word of God, but do we do the word of God? And that's the challenge today. And that's what it means when Jesus says that his words must abide in us. It means we must continually read it, of course, but it must make that transfer from just being in our head all the way down to our heart. And then it goes from our heart into our hands and into our feet. It's how we act. It's how we interact with this world Jesus is the vine and we are the branches in order for his life-giving sap I like that word his life-giving sap to continue through us uh, we must continually remain in him and his word must continually remain in us so that's the condition uh, part of this statement what Jesus has said uh, has said, he said, if you you know if you want what you desire and you ask for it, I'll give it to you, but this must be the condition: you must abide in me, and my words must abide in you. Um, so let's read that full statement one more time. He says, if you abide in me in 15:7, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. So maybe you're here today and you're feeling pretty good about the conditional part of that. You're doing these things. You're allowing God's word to, to sink in and get past your head and go down into your heart. And maybe you're feeling pretty good about that. But you're asking him for your desires and you are not seeing those prayers answered. So what's wrong? Does it matter what our desires are? Must be the question, right? Does it matter? doesn't matter what we desire. Um, So many of our prayers can go unrewarded because we ask our desires. But wait a minute, that's what the Word of God just said. You know, it's funny how we just kind of can read the Word and, you know, we're selfish human beings, aren't we? We're sinful creatures. And uh, even if you're here today and trusted Jesus as your Savior, He is... He has paid that penalty for your sin, but we're still here in this world and we still have a sin nature and we still sin. We still make wrong choices. We still have bad desires and wrong desires. So it sounds like it might be a trick. You know, Jesus said that if we bide in him and in words and us, we can ask what we desire and it'll be done for us. But listen to what uh, James, the Apostle James says in James 4. He says this, you ask, talking about prayer, and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So we ask amiss because we spend it on our pleasures. Anybody know about the store five below? Do you know what that that store is about? It's a bunch of junk for five bucks for the most part. But we use it as a reward system for our grandkids and it's a lot of fun so you know if they're doing good and you know or we we have fishing contests too and uh whoever gets the biggest fish gets to go to five below so we give them five bucks and it's a big thing we celebrate it we have a lot of fun and everything but you know there's never been a time when i give my granddaughters five bucks do they say? grandpa can we go and get something that you desire they never say that I'm the one that's giving them the five bucks but they never say that what are they there for they're there to spend it on their own pleasures their own desires and you're going man you're being pretty hard on your grandkids no I'm just saying it's it's how we are and it's how we approach God sometimes with that same five below mentality. We approach God because we have a desire and and we know what we want. We, we want it and we want it now. And uh, we want to, according to James, we ask amiss because we want to spend it on our own pleasures. Uh, one of the greatest reasons that Jesus wants Us to abide in him is that, is that his word will abide in us. So that it'll change our heart, not just be something in our heads. Uh, We can do a lot of outward abiding as Christians. We really can. We can do a lot of outward things sometimes that makes us kind of abide in Jesus outwardly. But even like reading our Bible, this, you know, I'm always going to push you to read your Bibles and and to do these things. But if it never changes our inward desire, then it means it's never reached our heart. It's just kind of hanging up here a little bit. Abiding in His Word means our desires become His desires. And that's the tagline for today. As we read, as we abide, as we stay close, that is the goal of abiding in His Word that our desires become his Uh, when our desires are not his our requests are out of line that's probably why they're not getting answered Uh, the truth of the matter is that if his words are not in us we don't even know how to pray We're, we're asking wrongly it's james says that in many other places I like what John Piper says about this. He says that, um, it's actually a two-part assessment he has. He says, we desire the wrong things. We often do, right? But also he says, we desire right things the wrong way. And I thought that was good because, you know, I often go to the throne. I often go to God and say, you know, this seems like this is something you would like. But often it's rooted in one of my desires and my things that I would like to see, but I kind of mask it. I ask amiss under the guise of this is what God would want. And so James is telling us that we ask amiss, and I believe that because I found it so real in my own life. Abiding aligns our will with his will. That's what abiding prayer does. Uh, Jesus instructed his disciples. You're probably familiar with this uh, in Matthew 6. Uh, Turn there if you would. I'm going to start reading verse 9. I'll read a couple verses to you. But Jesus is instructing his disciples on how to pray. He's not giving them the words to pray. Although sometimes I think we recited this maybe Uh, in this way, he's really, it's an instruction booklet in a sense. He's telling us how to pray. And he says, in this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And isn't that the The heart of all of our prayers, isn't that what it should be? God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we know just from this that everything's going to a plan in heavenly realm, right? Because that's what Jesus is saying. Everybody in the heavenly realm is doing God's will. It's us here that need to be aligned to his will. So abiding prayer is not getting God to line up with us but it's about getting us to line up with God. When our desires become his desires, this is the key. When our desires finally match up or line up with his, God is free to say yes to our prayers, and he gives us what we want because what we want now is what he wants. If we abide, it shall be done for us. One of the greatest mistakes, I think, in Christian prayer is we've kind of gotten used to this. Maybe we've heard this before, and so we're like little Christian parrots. We just kind of um, repeat things. It's sometimes how we learn, right? It's not a bad thing all the time. But one of the greatest mistakes is uh, attaching in Jesus' name at the end of every prayer. It is a good thing to do that but not as a substitute for abiding in him. So in other words, what I'm trying to say there is that we kind of muddle through a prayer or two and get it out, and when we finally do, and then we say, in Jesus' name. Just because we put that tagline on, doesn't say to God that we are abiding in him. All that is is just using his name. Uh, In chapter 14 of John's Gospel... Uh, he says this in verse thirteen. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. sounds sounds just like we just read in f- chapter fifteen, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. To pray in Jesus' name is t- to know the mind of Christ and the will of the Father. That's what it means. In other words, to pray in His absence. So he's not here anymore, he was here for a period of time on this earth, but now he has been uh, crucified for our sins, buried, and God has resurrected him, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. So we pray in his name, as if he was here. And here's the thing, we need to have his mind in us, and that's what it means to abide. The only way that we're going to know what Jesus wants and what the will of the Father is if we abide in this, if we're in it, and that we're allowing it to make that transfer from head down into our heart. Uh, the goal there of abiding prayer is this. We are to look like Jesus, think like Jesus, and live like Jesus. There's what abiding in Jesus really is. However, praying in Jesus' name is a powerful thing if we do it the right way. Um, By praying in Jesus' name, we are praying in faith. Uh, The writer of Hebrews uh, is, uh, this may be a verse that you you know or you've read before, but it's pretty powerful. He says in 11.6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, meaning in prayer, must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We pray believing that God is who he is. That he is all-knowing, all-powerful. That takes faith to believe that. Uh, Much of our world does not believe that God even exists, let alone that he is in control and almighty and all-powerful. Those of us that have committed our lives to and trust him and believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we remember that and we know that when we go into prayer. And we pray pray in faith knowing that he is this and that he is totally capable of answering any prayer that we uh, ask of him. Um, Matthew 28, at the end of Jesus' time here, we know this area of Matthew 28 as being the, the great commission. He sends out his disciples, and we've all been affected by the, that sending out of disciples and are called to do that ourselves. But he says this at the end um, in verse 18. He says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given me to me in heaven, and on earth. God has given Jesus, for his obedience, all authority on this earth and in heaven. So Jesus can grant and hear prayers and grant prayers based on his authority that God has given. I think that's pretty awesome. So praying in his name is not a bad thing. We just want to make sure that our heads uh, and are the same as his mind and our hearts is the same as God's will. It's interesting, the, the, word, the Greek word there for diligently there uh, means this. It means to exert considerable effort and care in learning something. So the question is, when we abide and our word abides in, in us, Are we exerting considerable effort and care in learning what God has for us? Learning what his desires are. Learning how we can pray. This is what abiding is all about. Abiding takes effort. If you haven't gotten that out of this series yet, um, you probably realize that as we keep on going here, but I'm hoping you will, is that it's going to take effort for you and me to abide abiding just doesn't happen you know it, again that's why i was kidding around about having the bible sitting on our coffee table or maybe i got a bible in the back seat of my car and it's riding around with me but it's going to take some effort for us to open that bible up study it ponder it pon- you know get some of that into our heads but yes we're hoping that it makes our heart and then into our hands and our feet Another thought about uh, praying in Jesus' name is this. By praying in his name, we are praying like Jesus prayed. Um, Matthew records a prayer of Jesus, and this is in and around the garden time. You know, Jesus went to the cross and suffered a horrible death for you and for me. Uh, He knew it was coming. This wasn't a, a thing that was just, oops, Okay, guess God is going to ask me to go do this today. He, he knew, uh, the scriptures tell us that before time, he knew that this was his, um, his job. He was going to come and pay the penalty for you and for me. And why did he do that? Because he loves us. But he knew that he was going to go to the cross. He was going to suffer a, a horrible scourging, a beating. Uh, they were going to spit on him and mock him. And they were going to leave him unrecognizable, the scriptures say. that You couldn't even tell who he was. And he knew that. And he knew he was about ready to go there. And he praised this prayer. He says, he went a little further in Matthew 26:39, and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So we see the the great example of our Lord Jesus Christ, obedient to the Father, knowing his will and being obedient to it. Praying in Jesus' name is praying that God's will be done and not our own. If we abide in Jesus and his words abide in us, our desires become his desires. Desires, thus making it possible for Jesus to say, "You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you." Warren Wiersbe has a quote that I want to uh, let you hear this morning. It says, "Our praying then is simply the reflection of God's desires in our own heart." And I like what he says. I like that it's a reflection. So remember how we were talking about, you know, why do we even pray? I think so much of our prayer is all about that. I really do. I mean, God already knows what we're at, we want before we ask, Scripture tells us. But at the same time, he has us go through this process of talking and abiding uh, in him. And the whole goal is to us to line up with him. John 15, 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. This has been our discussions these last few weeks. And that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father Father in my name, he may give you. So we've kind of been through what that's about. But um, when we abide like we should, our fruit should remain remember last week we kind of talked about the branches don't even get to have any of the fruit is for other people right but our fruit should remain and will remain if we abide have you ever left uh, fruit in the refrigerator too long uh, what happens to it <laughs> it shrivels up goes black and goes bad because it's been cut from the vine right in our in our Efforts we refrigerate it to try to make it last a little longer. But you don't have to worry about that, being an abiding Christian and your fruit. Your fruit abides forever, Jesus says. It's eternal fruit. It's going to, you know, I always like thinking about this. If I'm going to invest in something, I'm always going to want to invest in something eternal. Uh, We invest so much. That's why it was so good to hear the end of that lyric there what we did today about the, the things of this world grow strangely dim if we're going to invest let's invest in something eternal and that's what Jesus is saying what comes out of our abiding um, one more thing that people tell me and I hear this often because I heard it again this week it was pretty cool um, one reason they got attracted to Jesus was because of another person In other words, they didn't come to church necessarily, Uh, it wasn't about that, it was because somebody in their family, somebody at their workplace, they saw what they, how they were interacting with the world, how they were conducting themselves, and they were attracted to that. That's the fruit that we've been talking about. When we start abiding and hanging around in Jesus, we're going to look like him and we're going to act like him and it's just going to come out in our hands and our feet. Um, and they always say this thing, they wanted what they had. I've heard that more than many times actually. It's like, I want what you got. They didn't know it at the time, but what they were looking at was abiding fruit. That's what, if we're doing this right, guys, if we're abiding and allowing this to come out in our lives, people are seeing it, and they want what you have. And it just tees you up to tell them about the gospel and how much Jesus uh, loves you, and he loves them as well, and has died for them and rose again so that they too can have eternal life. These are things that the fruit that we produce, the fruit that we produce... Can you imagine? I'm not sure exactly what heaven's going to be like. Got some clue. We told some things. But do you imagine standing in heaven one day and somebody taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, I may not, you may not know me, but I'm here because I saw your fruit. I just can't imagine what that would be like if somebody could say that. I wasn't, you know, it wasn't because you got out your... Milk crate and stood in the middle of holly and just started preaching. I, I would like you if you'd do that. Let me know, I'll join you if you want to do that. But that isn't always the case how people come to Christ. They come because they see your fruit and it all becomes, or it all comes out of you because you're abiding. Continually abide and he will continually bear fruit in us, which leads to another result of abiding proving we are his. Uh, John 15, 8 says this, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As we bear fruit, the Father is glorified. But not only that, it's proof that we are his. That's how people know. That's why when they see what, you're doing and how this fruit is on your branch they go I want some of that fruit I want to be or I want to have what you have the greatest compliment we could ever get while somebody on this earth is is uh this one you have changed there's something different about you you never used to care but you do now you always used to be grumpy and agitated but now you have joy. You used to get all upset all the time and be angry, and, but now you have peace. I moved away from my hometown when I was 27 years old, so that was two or three years ago. <laughs> it's, it's been a day. And since then, I have come to know Jesus. Uh, in 2017, my dad passed. And uh, I was able to have the privilege of doing and conducting his funeral. In the crowd that day um, was a few of my high school friends, because they used to hang out at my house and knew my dad, and he was pretty awesome. But one of my buddies sat in one of the chairs, and I noticed as I was conducting the service that he, I mean, this guy was like riveted. I me it wasn't like you know looking at his cell phone waiting for this to be over kind of thing you know he was like our eyes man they were like glued and it was and I know my friends like I said since high school and but I know what it was all about because see he was part of the the gang I used to hang out with not like gang gang but part of the guys I used to hang out with right and we did a lot of stuff that I know now that God never intended for me to do. But that was, that was the thing. You know, I, he was hung around after my dad's service, and actually he was one of the first ones came. Like, I didn't even get out of the, behind the podium, and he's like, shoo, like, he's right here. And he's, and, he's, and i remember I'll never forget his words. He says, wow, what happened? What's going on? Never forget that. It was one of the most glorious days for me as a Christian. Because what I realized that day was that God had been producing fruit. And see, my friends had been, they hadn't seen me in a long time, but you know how it's like watching a baby grow, you know, as you grow as a Christian, you do not know, if you're around the baby all the time, it seems like it's taking forever. But if you visit a baby and then a year later you come back, and go, whoa, man, look at, look at how you've grown. And that's what I think my friend was seeing that day, was seeing fruit that God had produced in me. He had a lot of questions that day. In fact, he had a lot of questions that day, and um, it was kind of a hard thing, because you know, when you're at funerals like that and things like that, there's a lot of people there, and that day, my dad knew a lot of people, and the place was packed. And um, so I wanted to attend to a lot of the other people as well, but he was, <laughs> he was like hanging right here the whole time, and he kept asking me these questions. And every time the answer was this, I just kept telling him, Jesus. It's because of Jesus. I, I found Jesus. And he's everything I need. And there was a lot of conversation, a lot of questions. But that was it. Um, and it was really cool. He wasn't seeing me. And I, that's what it means by giving God the glory. Right? God got the glory for changing my life. And that didn't come by not abiding in him that came by studying his word and knowing what he wants out of me and looking to see what he desires of me so my desires line up with his he was the very last person uh, that left that day he, he he was there when we were cleaning the church i haven't seen him since but i have prayed for him many times I have prayed that the fruit that he saw in me would someday produce eternal fruit in him. Uh, I pray that God was glorified that day. People will know your fruit, know you by your fruit. He'll know, they'll know who you are. We just have to make sure we're abiding so that we can bear this fruit. Jesus said that, that people will know you, that you are his disciples as you bear fruit. So as I wrap things up today and conclude, um, I just want to, I believe God wants to give us every single time we pray, I believe he wants to give us what we desire. I really believe that. Um, I think it's true. But too many times he can't because our desires don't line up with his So one of the questions I asked at the beginning of the day today was, do you ever wonder why we pray? I think this is it. The best way we could begin any prayer would be to start by saying this thing. Not my will, but your will, God. And then pause. Before we say any other thing, before we ask any other thing, If we say, not my will, God, but your will. I wonder how the rest of our prayer time would go. Or do we start out with like my five below example? (laughs) Do we just get ready to ask for things that we're just going to burn up on our own desires and our own pleasures? I wonder how they would go. Romans 10:17 says this, "So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're here today and you've not given your life to Christ yet, but you have heard him speak today, you have heard him say something. In faith, you can pray and give your, your life to him. You can be reconciled back to him, because you know our sin separates us from Him just let him know that you know that sometimes that's uh a, a rough thing to admit but that's how we're taught to come to him in humility and really just come to him and say that you know lord i've recognized today that my sin separates me from you and i don't want that anymore i want to be reconciled back with you and you can do that you can pray to him and just let him know that you can let him know that you, re, you desire to repent or turn from that sin and trust Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. We trust him as Savior. We call him Savior because he saved us from our sin. And how did he do that? He did that on the cross that day. He stood in our place or he hung in our place, paying the penalty for the sin that we have committed. If that's you and you've heard that today, you can tell them during our prayer time today. And here's the thing you can trust that prayer. You can trust that He hears it, and you can trust that He will give you that desire because it's what He desires. So let's take a few minutes today together and abide and ask Him to reveal where our desires lie. Do they align with us? Or do they align with him? Ask him to change our desires into his desires. Pray that he'll produce fruit in our lives for his glory. So let's take a couple of minutes and pray together like I always like to do. And then I'll come back and close the gathering and we'll, uh, we'll go out and bear some fruit. Let's pray. Dear God, that is our prayer today. Many of the desires that keep us from you are of this world for sure. And as we sang this morning, I pray that they increasingly go strangely dim. That those desires will go away, fade away into the past. And that our eyes will be focused on you and will be looking to your desires and make them ours. But I also know, Lord, that you've taught us that those things just don't happen, that we need to be diligent about them. So as we go back out today, Lord, and we'll leave this building, and let it be known that we don't leave your presence that we can come to you at any moment, any time, ask these things, and if they line up with your desires and your will for us, that you'll grant them. We know that Jesus has all power and all authority here to, to make all that happen because of his obedience to you, Lord, and we come to you in his name today and ask these things. So, Lord, as we, we move... May you move in our head down to our hearts and into our hands and into our feet. Thank you, Lord, for our time here today that we have your word that we can look to. May our fruit be eternal today. We ask these things in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, guys, as we go out... We go out bearing fruit. That's the push, right, for this, this series. But we have to abide. We have to be close. We have to be in it. I pray you do that as you leave today. Thanks for being here at The Journey. We'll see you next time around.